alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. Come thou found of every blessing, turn my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me ever to adore thee, may I still thy goodness prove. Welcome to the first service at Preston Crest. My name is Randy Tucker. I serve as one of the elders here. We're grateful for your attendance today. Whether you're here in person or you're visiting with us virtually, I would remind you uh, to please uh, text the word CHECK-IN to 469-476-5331. Uh, give us a record of your attendance. And throughout the week, if you uh, need some information, you can check the word me, text the word me to that number and get access to our church directory, the bulletin, be able to send us prayer requests and uh, things of that nature. Uh, I understand uh, last night we broke all records 
Some 2,300 participated in Pumpkin Fest. We're grateful for that outreach to the community. Uh, Rebecca told me over 300 volunteers, and she'll be coming to double the budget next year yeah. on Pumpkin Fest. So uh, really an unbelievable turnout for that event. Uh, as we, uh, oh yeah, we got some great pictures. Beautiful evening for that. So as we uh, uh, call to worship today, just uh, uh, one additional item I want to mention. We have a couple of prayer quilts in the foyer uh, today for uh, Brandon Crumpley and Leslie Carden. I think more will be announced about that uh, uh, this morning as well. So I'd call that to your attention. As we go to the Lord uh, today, as we're called to worship, let's look at 1 Chronicles 16, verses 8 uh, through 10. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of his wonderful acts, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you this morning and we're so grateful to be able to approach your throne of glory and acknowledge your majesty and power. Father, we know you are the one and true God, the creator of heavens and earth. Father, we're so grateful for the continued blessings that you give us, the uh, needs that are constantly met. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we had last night to reach out to the community, to show love, and for all those who uh, volunteered and participated in that event as we share the love of Jesus to, to our neighbors. May we always be, live lives of welcome and hospitality. And Father, we ask that you continue to help those who uh, are widowed and fatherless and help us to be in a position to deal with those needs. Father, we know we fall short daily in our lives. We ask that you help us to live holy and upright lives. Forgive us our sins. Help us to forgive those as you have forgiven us and protect us from the evil one as he's looking to devour our hearts. In your son's name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Andy. Church, let's stand and let's sing this morning. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness.
to sing one more song as we enter into this time of communion and then Brad Powers will come and lead us this morning around the bread and around the cup do I have a slide do I have slides there it is okay great how Oh uh-huh. 
will say, every time we sing that song, it brings tears in my eyes. <laughs> so uh, I had some words here um, that my wife, who's making fun of me right now, uh, helped me uh, make sure they didn't sound ridiculous, and it sounded great. Um, but honestly, I mean, those words are amazing. Like, you can't be getting better than that. His wounds paid our ransom, and I can't stop crying. And, I mean, there's nothing we can say about that. I mean, that's just, God went to, to the cross for us, and Jesus shed his blood for us, went through agonizing pain for us. And for what? Because we can't do it ourselves, because we're sinners. I mean, what more can you say? So, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for your blood. Thank you so much for your plan for us so that sinners, lowly people like us can uh, be perfect and see you in heaven. Amen. Amen. Let's pray again. God, uh, as we come thinking about your blood, uh, the cruel cross that you, you died upon, the fact that you went willingly, um, shed your blood in various ways. You was on, were on that cross, nailed to the cross. And that blood that shed from your body, your head, your body, your side, uh, covers us in our sins. It's, it's Amazing, and we're so thankful for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Welcome to Preston Crest. Spirit of the Lord is at work here in this place. Uh, if you were here last night, you got to see that firsthand as God brought our mission field before us and just laid it out. And we got to see a lot of people, all kinds of people, and minister to them and have fun with them, serve them. Uh, if you want to give this morning, you can uh, drop money in the box out in the foyer. Uh, you can give through the website. You can give through church teams. Uh, I'm just grateful for how you give, not just your money, but your time, uh, your energy. Let's pray together. God, it's, it's because of you. We've just been reminded by Brad of that amazing, amazing love that took you to the cross for us. And we are grateful. And Father, we see the impact of that lived out here in the way your children give and serve. I thank you for that, God, and I pray that you'll continue by your power to help us reach this mission field of Dallas-Fort Worth and beyond. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, as Randy mentioned, we have two prayer quilts today. And uh, church, let me just encourage you, if, never, if you have never done this, please give this a try. It's really easy. You go and you tie a knot in a little string that is a part of this 
quilt or these quilts. And then you say a prayer. But let me encourage you this week to take these names with you. Don't just leave your prayers here in the foyer. Take them with you. Brandon Crumpley, first of all, he is the son of a co-worker of Pam Hallman. He is suffering from multiple myeloma and other health issues. He's asking for prayers, for healing, and for strength. Secondly, the next quilt, Leslie Carden. We all know, or many of us know and love Leslie and Alan because they're former members here from Preston Crest. She has kidney cancer that has spread all over her body. She is currently undergoing treatment. She is asking for prayers that the treatment works for peace and for comfort. And she's also asking... She's asking prayers for her husband, Alan, and for her sons, Brady and Mason. If it's okay with you, church, I feel like we just need to pray again, so let's do that. Father, for Brandon Crumpley, we pray healing. We ask that you would take this cancer from his body. For Leslie, for Alan, for Brady, we ask that you surround that family with your peace and your comfort, the peace that we can't even understand. And Father, we also pray for a supernatural healing. We know that you can do this, Father. You have created our bodies, and we know that you can heal. And so we ask that you remove cancer from these bodies, never to return. That's our prayer this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. I need to also remind you that next week is a fifth, sun, fifth Sunday. So we're going to have a world care effort this Sunday. You'll have uh, information coming to you this week reminding you, and, and we'll have more information about that next week. Let's stand. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church. And we'll sing one more song as Gordon getting ready to come back up here this morning. And be the redeemed shall be strong in her. Quite a, quite a night last night. Takeaways, we need more food next year. We need more drinks next year. We need more volunteers next year. We need to look into cloning Rebecca Sutton next year. Uh, we could use like three, four Rebecca Suttons around, uh, but it was, it was pretty great. And uh, lots of good impressions were made and people were served. And, and I know we've had baptisms here through this. I know we've had families join through this because people asked me last night, well, does he make... And then there's just so much of the intangible, just the spirit work that goes on through that. Hey, I want to tell you about tonight. We've been doing a, a series here on Sunday nights, Encounters with Jesus, going through the Gospels, looking at different people meeting Jesus. And tonight's kind of special. I'm going to have a panel up here, and we're going to talk about encountering Jesus in the workplace. And I got Scott Wolf, I got Michelle Tucker, I got Oliver Johnson. And if you know these guys, you know you're going to get some gold tonight. You're going to hear... Uh, some amazing stories, uh, true stories about just how God uses us when we are 
at work. So I hope you'll be back tonight for that at 6 o'clock. <laughs> so have you ever been driving your car and you find yourself stranded because you ran out of gas? So how many are willing to admit this morning, raise your hand if at some point you have run out of gas. Let me see. Keep the hands up. I have. Okay. Thank you. Humility here at this church. Willingness to admit that. I got to tell you, my wife and I have very different approaches to the gas gauge. Um, she sees it, let's just put it this way. She sees it as half empty. I see it as half full. I'm like, we got tons of gas. I like to get her down to at least an eighth of a tank before I even think about stopping to get gas. Uh, one time in college, the only time I ever ran out of gas in college, by the way, had a 1979 Chevy Impala, kind of a piece of junk, but I loved it. It was my car, and uh, it would overheat sometimes, but the gas gauge did not work. So it was a bit of a guessing game with that. And one time around campus there in Oklahoma, at Oklahoma Christian, I ran out of gas. And anyway, I did get the gas gauge fixed after that. I figured it, it's worth it to have a working gas gauge. So I would highly recommend that if you don't have a working gas gauge. But I got a story this morning from Fremont, California. And it involves 2019, so not so long ago. It involves a police chase uh, high-speed pursuit, and the officer in Fremont was using one of the department's Teslas, okay, one of their electric cars, and the chase went on for a while, speeds up to 120 miles an hour, and he noticed, according to his gauge, he only had six miles of charge left, so he radioed in, I'm not going to be able to continue pursuing the suspect much longer, now, good news, bad news, he did run out of juice. Uh, good news, bad news, uh, the suspect ran into heavy traffic and had to jump out of the car. So they did get the suspect's car, but they never were able to find the suspect who fled on foot. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's, it's, it's something else. When we run out of gas, and you may have noticed, we don't just run out of gas with our cars, we run out of gas. We've kind of been talking about that a little bit the last few weeks. We're going to really get into it for the next few weeks. But this idea of when your tank is empty, spiritually, physically, emotionally, where do you go to plug in? Where do you go to charge up? And so we are going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father the Pinoso in Portuguese, in Matthew chapter 6, in Luke chapter 11. And we're going to see uh, some, some truths that we need to see that can really help us in practical daily ways when we need kind of a charging for our souls, all right? So, the disciples of Jesus came to him at one point. We have this in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. They came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. As far as I can tell, and I tried to figure this out this past week, as far as I can tell, this is the only time the disciples came to Jesus and specifically said, teach us how to do something. Now, I would think, uh, likely candidates, if they had asked for other things, Lord, teach us to, I would sign up for the walk on water class. I, would, I didn't roll in that one. Teach us how to cast out a demon. Teach us how to do that thing where you multiply the bread. I mean, we could have used that last night at Pumpkin Fest. Multiply the Dr. Peppers and, and the barbecue sandwiches. Um, but teach us to, the one time they asked that was, Lord, teach us to pray. They had been praying their entire lives, okay? These guys knew how to pray, or they thought they did, until they saw how Jesus prayed. And there was something different. And they noticed, I mean, this guy had a draining life. You could say Jesus had the weight of the world on his shoulders. The press of humanity around him every day, pretty much. People with all kinds of needs, all kinds of people. 
The critics who were hounding him constantly, trying to find a weakness, trying to find a mistake in something he said or he did. And then just the knowledge that he walked around with, the knowledge that only he had that I am going to die for these people. Yes, even my critics, I'm going to die for them. A lot of weight on him. But yet, there was joy and power and exuberance and the disciples saw where it came from. It came from these times that he had in prayer with God. So teach us, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to recharge. And I don't want that to sound just like transactional, like I'm going to plug into God. No, but teach us how to receive your power and your peace and your provision. Clearly, Jesus was getting all of that from God. So teach us to pray. And Jesus responded to their request with this most famous of all prayers, without a doubt, Absolutely the most famous of all prayers. And you can join in with me as I read this in Matthew 6, if you wish. You've heard this before. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You've heard that. I've heard that. This is the prayer when they said, teach us to pray. This is how Jesus taught them to pray. And really, this prayer is composed of, of eight different smaller prayers, eight kind of prayer components here. And we're going to be looking at these over the next few weeks. Now, the first words that came out of Jesus' mouth when he's teaching them to pray were not exaggerating at all here. They were revolutionary. They were speaking of Teslas. They were shocking. I mean, this was an electric jolt to the disciples. Teach us to pray. And he began with, the, began with those words, Our Father. Our Father in heaven. And that, he, it's just everything. It is a new way to think about, a true way to think about how God feels about us and really who I am, who you are, and the foundation on which I build my life. It's built on this father-son, father-child relationship with God. And it's a bit tricky for us, I think, because it's so familiar. This is the most memorized prayer of all time, we can recite it, we know it, we maybe, that's a great thing by the way, maybe the, the flip side is it gets a little familiar and those words get a little domesticated. They start to feel a little tame. They start to feel just a little like, oh, that's just the kind of the preamble before the real prayer gets started. But when he began his prayer with that phrase, it was anything but ordinary. Addressing God as Father was not something people did in Jesus' day and time. It just wasn't. Now, you may think, well, Old Testament, I mean, the, the Hebrew Tanakh, I mean, there are a few references where God is called the Father of Israel, and you're right about that, but they didn't think of that in like a personal term, like he is my Father, like I'm addressing him as with this intimacy, with this endearing term of my Father, and to be clear, just to point out the shock value of this, this is what got Jesus killed, at least in part. Part of it was what we finished talking about last week, how he handled himself on the Sabbath, and the other part was precisely this, the familiarity, the personal intimacy with which he referred to God, calling God his Father, John 5, 17, 18. You want to see what God put on the cross? Here you go. Jesus answered them. These are the Jewish religious authorities. He answered them, my Father is working until now and I am working. This, John tells us, 
This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, not only because he was breaking the Sabbath, but because he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. That's why they wanted to kill him. Sabbath and this thing about calling God his father. When we pray our father, I'm not saying that you need to be shocked every time you pray those words, that you need to be scandalized personally by those words. Not at all. But we need to be aware at least how absolutely, yes, again, revolutionary um, this was. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. Pray our Father in heaven. 39 Old Testament books. God is referred to as Father 15 times. Never like directly personally, but 15 times referred to as Father. 39 books of the Old Testament. The first four books of the New Testament, the Gospels... um, With the arrival of Jesus, he is referred to as Father 165 times. Again, revolutionary. Sea change in the way we are to see God. Um, And it's interesting, like Muslims have 99 different names for Allah. None of them are Father, okay? This is a different way to talk about God. And so he calls, this this is the amazing thing, right? It's our Father, I mean, we would get it if he said, my father in heaven. No, he says, you call him your father. He is our father. That's how he teaches us to pray. And a theologian named R.C. Sproul put it this way. He said, in all the existing books of the Old Testament, in all the existing books of extra-biblical Jewish writings dating from the beginning of Judaism until the 10th century A.D. in Italy, there is not a single reference of a Jewish person addressing God directly in the first person as father. The first Jewish rabbi to call God father directly was this one, Jesus of Nazareth. It was a radical departure from tradition and in fact in every recorded prayer we have from the lips of Jesus, save one, he calls God father. And so we don't just jump past this when we get to the Lord, our father who art in heaven, how will be the, we don't just jump past that Because it reveals who God is. It reveals who you are in God's eyes. It tells you about his heart for you. You are a treasured child of God. And when you pray, you may not always get the answer you're looking for. You know that. But you will always get your father's attention because he is your father. And he loves you. And he leans in. And he listens. And this is how we are to see ourselves when we speak to God. J.J. Packer, another good evangelical theologian, talks about this. He says, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child. And having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. So fundamental. And what I would say here, before we move on, I would just say he's a good father. He's a good father. I say that because all of us have different kinds of fathers. They're all different. They all have some flaws. And some of you were raised in a household where your father had some pretty significant flaws. Maybe you didn't even know them because they abandoned you, right? And so that's some of the the background, some of the experiences that we are working with here when we hear this term, father. This is your heavenly father. This is a good father, You have a good father, trust me. It's your father in heaven. Uh, And we are all 
sinners. We all at times have disobeyed. We've all turned away. We've all rebelled from God. We've all ignored God, neglected God at times, but he loves us still, forgives us, and is in the business of restoring us. Now, remember that story, speaking of all that, remember that story Jesus told in Luke chapter 15, one of the more familiar parables. Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. I would say a better title is the story of the amazing father is probably a better title for that story because this kid, I mean, I don't know what age he is, 18, 19 years old, he deigns, offends, scandalizes, disrupts by asking for his share of the inheritance before his father is even dead. I mean, we're going to see his father running later in the parable. So the guy's in pretty good health. And he's asking for his share of the inheritance so that he can get as far away from that place as possible. Put as much mileage between him and his father as possible. And his father says, okay. Here's your money. And this guy goes off, and I mean, he makes, he goes to a distant land. He gets far away, and he makes some rotten choices. We've all made some rotten choices. This guy really packed a bunch of amazingly bad decisions into a very short window. Uh, the Bible says in verse 14 there, Luke 15, 14, or Jesus says rather, that he squandered his money through reckless living. I can only imagine what reckless, I mean, I think prostitutes are mentioned there as well. I mean, he was really making some terrible decisions with this money, and then it's gone. What's he going to do? He's, he's a foreigner. What's he going to do? Gets a job feeding pigs. I mean, we could talk about that kind of, not the kind of job a Jewish person wanted, okay? And he's so hungry, he's borderline starvation, he, his mouth salivates when he sees the pig slop that he's serving those pigs. And he can't help but think, my only chance is to get back there to my father's house. Now, he's not going to accept me back as a son, obviously, but maybe I could just get hired on. You remember this story, right? He comes to his senses, and he's like, okay, working on his speech. He's walking back home. Like, what am I going to say? How am I going to try to get my way into like a, a, a minimum wage job there, you know, maybe shoveling stuff in the stables or something, but anything. And before he can get back home, his father sees him. His father takes off running to him. His father throws this expensive robe on him, puts a, a, a ring on his finger just saying, this is my father. You know, this is, here's a family ring and puts on this amazing barbecue, this amazing party for his son. Jesus is letting us see what our father is like, how he feels about us, how we are not measured on our ability to get everything right or get a bunch of stuff done. We are welcomed because of him, because of how he is, because of his love, his generosity, his compassion. And man, I just, I just wish I could like beam this truth right into the heart of every grace-starved sinner. This is how God feels about you. If you'll turn around, if you'll turn to him, he will come running to you. I just wish I could beam this truth into the heart of every Christian who has some kind of legalistic wall built around themselves where they feel like it all depends on them. If they could just know the Father, if they could just know the God that Jesus revealed to us. Hurting and lost souls always, always welcome in the Father's house. Always welcome here at Preston Christ. Three things. We'll wrap up here. Three things about calling God our Father. Three things. The first is this. When we pray, God is close. 
Yes, it's our Father in heaven, but Jesus lets us know he is very close to us. And I think this is why the disciples asked Jesus, hey, teach us to pray like you pray. That's why they asked that in the first place, because he talked to God like it was a friend sitting across from a friend. He talked to God with this personal intimacy they had never seen. And then they saw the results of it in the way he lived, in the way he ministered, in the way he loved. And Jesus could have accurately taught, teach us to pray. Okay, pray like this. Our creator who art in heaven. He could have taught him that. Almighty Yahweh. He could have taught them that. Our Lord, our Adonai, he could have taught them to pray like that. But he says, our Father in heaven, because he wants them to plug into this real new relationship with God. Um, By the way, there's a reason that up to this point, no Jewish people had been praying to God first uh, first person as as Father. Um, It's because nobody... Up to that point, no one had the privilege of doing that except this person, the only begotten of God, Jesus, the Son of God. He was united with Father and Spirit since forever. He was God's Son. And now we get to address Him as our Father because... And only because Jesus extends this to us through his grace, through the cross, through the gift of his spirit. That is why we refer to him as our father. So when we talk to God, he is near. He hears what you're praying. And the second thing, so he's close and he's constant. And I think we get that reminder from our father in heaven. Like this is not your everyday father. (laughs) This is not me. This is not John Scott. This is a different kind of father. And this father is in heaven. This father is constant. Look, I am a a pretty decent dad, I think. I really do. But I have some good days and maybe some not quite as good days. Um, My kids have seen me yell through the drive-thru at the minimum wage worker at Whataburger when I got frustrated, okay? They've seen some moments that were not highlight real moments. Malachi 3, 6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. I don't have a bad day. (laughs) Our Father is constant. And think about this. In heaven, in his realm, where his rule happens every second perfectly. Not this fallen world where we're free to rebel and, and sin. And In that realm of God, in heaven, there are no tornadoes. There are no civil wars. There are no ER waiting rooms. There are no cancer wards. There is none of that. No police stations because he is constant. He is perfect. And this place where his will happens is always good and always right. And don't think he can't identify with you. That's why he sent his son, Jesus. That's why he became one of us, so that our high priest could identify with us in our weaknesses. He knows what you are going through. He's close, but he's also constant. And then finally, we got to say this, he's capable. I mean, unlike a lot of us fathers, he is capable. I am somewhat capable. I mean, sometimes my kids come to me and they need a little money, and sometimes I have it. It's like, okay, here you go. Sometimes I don't have it. I don't have quite enough. Um, sometimes I don't have enough time. Wish I had more time for them or more, more know-how to help them do this or that that they need help with. Um, I wish it wasn't so, but they've, they've come to me at times when yeah, my resources were just stretched too thin and I couldn't exactly or adequately or fully meet the need of that moment. Uh, human dads, I mean... Sometimes we make promises with the best of intentions that we're not able to deliver on. Wish it wasn't so. But our Father in heaven, He's perfect. He is good all the time, 24-7. He keeps His promises. Our Father, while He's not bound 
to the ups and downs of life that we have to endure here. He is bound to us, to his children. He's not disrupted by whether or not he got a raise last year, whether or not his stock portfolio is up or down a given week, how tired or how grumpy he is. Our Father in heaven, he has unlimited resources and not just for this short life that we cling on to. He's got resources for eternity. And so today, I just hope that you will hear and you will believe he is your father. And that you will feel that truth. Not just know it, but feel it in your bones. And I think this is kind of what John is getting at in 1 John 3, 1. I love this. He says, see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God And so we are. Read that with me if you would. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. I like that. And so we are. And so you are. In Christ, you are a child of God. And so we're about to sing a final song. If you need to offer a prayer to our Father this morning. You are surrounded by brothers and sisters, fellow children of God. We would love to huddle up with you and pray over you, pray for you, or pray for a certain person or situation in your life who needs prayers. I'll be down here with with Randy, with one of our elders. You can pray with somebody sitting around you, your spouse, your small group, your connection class. Just find someone and pray because your Father is near. He's paying attention. Maybe you need to give your life to God today. Through Jesus, you can be made right. You can be baptized into Jesus this morning and begin walking as one of his disciples and praying every day, okay, Lord, teach me. Teach me. Teach me to pray. Teach me to be a better husband. Teach me to use my time better, my money better. You can become a disciple of Jesus today. Let's respond as we stand together and pray. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. Seeing all the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me.
today, and as uh, you taught us about Jesus teaching us to pray, we have a special prayer request this morning for uh, Gary Cohorn. His father, Elmer, is in ICU in Oklahoma battling cancer, and we'd like to, at this time, take him before the Father. Dear God, we come before you this morning grateful for the uh, privilege of prayer and that uh, we've been taught to pray, Father. And so we're lifting up today the uh, family of Gary Cohorn, especially Elmer, who is uh, battling cancer. We ask that you provide comfort and peace to that family, uh, as that is uh, such a trying time, and so many have been horribly impacted by that, Father, by the cancers that have spread through so many. And Father, we ask that you would give them comfort and peace today. In your son's name we pray, amen. If you would read with me, please, the uh, final uh, take-home verse today in Matthew 6, uh, 33. Let's read this together. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. Go in peace.